0: Hey, what's up guys? I miss you guys. I, um, I'm i back and uh, my mother-in-law was sick for a week so my wife had to take care of her. I had to watch the kids. It was a little hectic and uh, like I said, I'm glad I'm back. I miss all of you folks and thank you for the comments in the past couple weeks. I am here. It's all good and today's gonna be great. We're gonna talk about uh, Deshaun Watson, okay, of uh, the Houston Texans and now with the Cleveland Browns, him and his uh, issues Relating to these massage therapists that he went to, and uh, you know, claims of sexual allegations against him. And you know what? Be- before we even start, the freaking producer and cameraman here. They asked me, okay, this guy, Mateo and Zeke, they asked me, hey, so what happens if uh, Deshaun Watson cramps up during a game? Like, <laughs> are they going to massage him there if he's cramping up? You know, that would be crazy. Like, the TV announcers look and be like, uh-oh, why are these pretty uh, massage therapists coming out right now? Someone tell the Cleveland Browns, send them back, okay? Anyway, all right. <laughs> you know what, guys? Guys? I'm trying to do a freaking serious podcast and these guys, their mind is in the gutter. I apologize. All right. So now let's talk some some serious business here. All right. With this guy, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he is one heck of a uh, football player. Okay. Everybody agrees on that at least. All right. I mean, he led uh, Clemson to the national championship in uh, about six years ago. Um, and after that, he was drafted high in the first round. Um, the only quarterbacks above him that were drafted were Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky, okay? <laughs> Any Chicago Bears fans out there? Did the Chicago Bears really take Mitch Trubisky way before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? All right, anyway, it's okay. I, I'm a Raiders fan, so I, you know, I cannot make fun of other teams' draft picks, okay? So uh, so that's the good part. All of us agree, that Deshaun Washington is a great quarterback. And now after that is where everybody's gonna start disagreeing on a lot of different uh situations, okay? So I want to start with the uh, you know, what's the the disciplinary hearing, okay? It's what it's technically called. And um what happened was the NFL wanted to suspend him, and um the the collective bargaining agreement was such that to suspend him, uh, they went to a um, like a hearing officer. You can say arbitrator, okay. Uh, and the rules was that they the arbitrator has to be somebody both sides, both the NFL and the union agreed on. And uh, the person they agreed on is a former judge, okay, by the name of Sue Robinson. OK, so uh, they go to this former judge. So she's going to arbitrate the case and decide what kind of suspension. All right. And we all know she decided on a six week in uh, six week suspension. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Uh, and so so that's what she decided, a six week suspension for Deshaun Watson. And then there was a been a public outcry saying, what the heck is this? It's a slap on the wrist, you know, um, and it's nothing compared to what he actually did. It's a lenient uh, type of penalty, okay? Now, again, she's a retired, uh, now she's a retired federal judge. And before that, she was a US attorney in Delaware. So she has good credentials, all right? And uh, this is her, she published a decision, all right? So let me kind of go over how this works. So uh, in this hearing, all right, I, I call it an arbitration, okay? So, I mean, same thing. Okay, so in this arbitration, they, uh, the NFL presents its case, and then Deshaun Watson presents his case. And she, you know, examined all of this testimony. She, you know, heard testimony. She examined, uh, you know, details of uh, police reports, of lawsuits, of all of the above. All right. And, and then what she did is she examined the collective bargaining agreement. She looked over past cases and sus- past suspensions and things like that, all right? Now, uh, in her uh, decision, okay, it's a long decision. It was very well-written, and I think I know why it was well-written, because I think she knew this is going to be criticized, you know? So she's trying to defend her reputation. Even judges have a rep to protect, okay? So, um, all right, so so there we go. So that's what, and she found um, in the legal world, It's like uh, the word found is funny. It's kind of like it's like what she realized or what she concluded. Okay, so she found that um, Deshaun Watson indeed uh, engaged in sexual assault and that uh, his conduct posed a threat to the safety of and well-being of other people. All right. And that uh, his conduct undermines the integrity of the NFL. Those are big, big findings, right? Now, let me, okay. (laughs) Now, why does she find that? Okay. It was pretty egregious. All right. Um, I do think everyone would probably agree that it was egregious. So what uh, Deshaun Watson did um, is that he would, this is what her findings are. He would go on Instagram and he'd look for kind of uh, local massage therapists, uh, women, all right, in the Houston area. And then he would contact them on Instagram or, you know, other ways and say, you know, say, I'm an NFL quarterback. I want to get a massage, you know, and he would just say, just so happens that uh, the area of uh, emphasis is the growing er area, growing, (laughs) growing area. I never say that word correctly. Growing. (laughs) All right. Um, And the buttocks and stuff, right? I mean, that's the, that's the area of emphasis, he would say, Right. And uh, so this is the findings from this uh, retired judge. And and then he would say things to the massage therapist, like it's urgent. Like we want to, I got to get this massage done today. And that he would, um, you know, let's see the, the other things. Like, I want to make sure I quote uh, the judge correctly. Right. And uh, he didn't care if they were experienced, if they were licensed, you know, he just wanted the massage, um, and, you know, based on the record and the evidence and the testimony And then uh, this is where it gets really bad, okay, is uh, so he would insist on just using a towel, like a small towel, as opposed to the sheet, you know, um, during the massage, and he would be naked. Um, and then he would, um, oh, the towels being like those small little Gatorade towels, like things like that, you know, um, I'm not sure if Gatorade paid him for sponsorship. (laughs) So anyway, um, then it gets bad. Like I said, okay, now it's going to get bad. You know, he would do things like he would try to engage in what she calls sexual behavior. And, uh, let's see, uh, this is the, uh, quote from the judge, When he turned over on his back, it is alleged that Mr. Watson exposed his erect penis and purposely contacted the therapist's hands and arms multiple times with his erect penis. One of the therapists alleges that Mr. Watson not only contacted her multiple times, but that he ejaculated on her arm. There is no allegation that Mr. Watson exerted any force against any of the therapists. That last sentence is very important because the judge finds that he... Committed sexual assault, okay, uh, but that it was let me th- <laughs> it, sh- passive sexual assault. I don't know. Is that? That's got to be an oxymoron, right? Because she said it was sexual assault that was non-violent, okay. Basically, being um, I just don't understand how could. <laughs> well, I no no you know what I guess I understand. There's two. There could be sexual assault in terms of like a forceful, you know, like physically, you know, uh, you know, holding someone back or whatever. Uh, and then there could be like a sexual assault of like a, like somebody uses like trickery, you know, or you know, something like this type of thing. So it wasn't she found, and this is a big thing for this retired judge that she said he assaulted these women in a in a sexual way, okay, and that uh he did it, but <laughs> But it wasn't violent. You know, that's kind of what she's saying. Okay. Um, Now comes the kind of what she does. And she goes over kind of everything, like how everything got there and this and this and that. Right. Um, Then she says, I find this. um, Oh, she she notates that he said that nothing like if there was any contact, it was accidental or consensual or, you know, things like that. Now, mind you, 24 women sued him over this okay give or take one and maybe it was 25 maybe it was 23 Uh, i think it was 24 okay give or take one so 24 women sued him and the allegations were more or less all the same okay so so she takes that into account then she takes into account different testimony and then she takes into account you know it's kind of like us lawyers say like with evidence it's like bricks okay every little piece of evidence is a brick so how many bricks are stacked up here you know, he contacts them on Instagram. He doesn't care if they're licensed. He wants to do it privately. You know, he he insists no sheet, but this little tiny towel, right? He, um, you know, ah, shucks, like there's, you know, all of those things. And then there's so many of them claiming the same things. And all these, most of these, uh, I think all of them actually that she, uh, her testimony of, they wouldn't go back to do another massage with him, right? So with all of these things, we call all of this, you know, this, Uh, she said, I find this sufficient circumstantial evidence, circumstantial evidence being that it's like all like stacking up, um, direct evidence would be like, if there's a videotape of it, you know, um, like, uh, like there was with, uh, the owner of the Patriots, right? Uh, okay. So uh, anyway, so that would be what's called direct evidence. Circumstantial evidence is all of these things kind of building up. If it was just like one of those things only, then she would have probably said, uh, maybe it was you know it, it maybe wasn't intentional, but she found it was intentional, which is obviously a very very big deal. Okay, and she says, but that Mr. Watson was aware that the conduct probably would occur, and that Mr. Watson had a sexual purpose, uh, not just a therapeutic pur- purpose. Um, and I'm not going to say something like sometimes those are the same. Okay, uh, in making these arrangements with these particular therapists. All right, so this is her findings in terms of uh, now what happened factually. Okay, now comes the, um, okay, so Mr. Watson's conduct has also been scrutinized on a national level. Okay, Uh, regardless of my findings, it is apparent that Mr. Watson acted with a reckless disregard for the consequences of his actions by exposing himself uh, to public scrutiny. Uh, (laughs) I see what she did there, exposing himself to public scrutiny. Okay, Mr. Watson's predatory conduct casts a negative light on the league. So she finds that he's acting predatorily. Is that a word? All right. Um, now, why the heck? So she came out and she, you know, she then uh, she kind of sets it up in her decision why she's going to give six weeks. Like why uh, that magic number of six weeks? OK, so she says, you know, she looks at the history of the NFL's discipline for this type of conduct. All right. Now I'll tell you this, (laughs) up in like the eighties and the nineties, you know, any sort of like violence against, uh, other guys or women or wives or whatever, the NFL didn't care. Okay. If it was the eighties and there was some sort of, you know, uh, a guy punches another guy, you know, at a bar or, you know, like domestic violence or something, you know, he'd go to the NFL. They'd be like, You didn't hurt yourself, did you? You know, (laughs) are you all right? Can you still throw tomorrow, right? So that's how it was, okay, in the 80s, 90s, and and always before. And even up until 2014, she says, okay, there was this very popular incident with Ray Rice. Uh, The league suspended a very good running back, Ray Rice of the Baltimore Ravens, two games, two games. And what he had done was, He punched his wife so hard that he knocked her out, like unconscious, right? And uh, that was horrible, the NFL said, so horrible that they gave him a two-week suspension, all right? Um, And that was obviously very violent, right? Now, in 2014, then came the kind of nightmare public relations for the NFL, right? Right. Because um, and for better or worse, you know, video was eventually like TMZ went and got this video of it, you know, from like the hotel security or something, which is crazy. I can't believe the NFL didn't think of that or couldn't get that. And then TMZ got it and then they published the video and people went crazy. Right. Uh, And I'm not going to show that video because it's very graphic and, you know, just take my word for it. It It's horrible. Right. And so the NFL uh, it was so bad that after that, the NFL came down and said, OK, we're going to suspend him longer. <laughs> and it's so bad because they already suspended him. And the 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 kind of rules that they had agreed with the union said that they can't like suspend him a second time for the same thing type of thing. Right. They suspended him anyway. And they said, we'll just pay you, dude. We just cannot have you on the field ever again. And they paid him to just not play. OK, so she cites that. She says, well, starting in 2014, you know, something like this was a two game game suspension right and then there was negotiations where then the NFL you know there was another case uh that she cites like so she's saying that um there you know one time there only once was a player suspended more than 6 weeks uh and that was when he pleaded guilty to a criminal uh case of some like violent sex or yeah you know, some sort of violent uh domestic violence sorry <laughs> uh, you know, violent actions. Okay. And, uh, and that was the only time. And remember what I said earlier, she found that this wasn't violent. Okay. Um, and she said, so the worst ever was a 10 week suspension for something, uh, more egregious than this type of action. Okay. And that was someone that was like kind of suspended a few times. Right. So based on that, what she says, uh, retired federal judge Robinson she says, looking at the record when compared to the relevant precedent and looking forward to how this disciplinary determination might be used in the future, I find most appropriate landing place to be, da, 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 da. I think I already let the cat out of the bag, right? Mr. Watson is hereby suspended for six regular season games without pay. All right. Um, and then she says, although this is the most significant punishment ever imposed on an NFL player for allegations of nonviolent sexual conduct. Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. Uh, and it went so bad. She said, uh, she also ruled, I don't want him having any more massage therapists, okay? Unless it's somebody that works for the team and that's at the team facility, all right? Um, you know, and then these clowns come up to me and said, oh, what if he gets injured on the playing field? <laughs> you know, are they going to do a massage there? Uh, we're trying to work here, guys. Okay. So, uh, now this brings me to, <laughs> look, this is pretty crazy in the employment, uh, law field. Okay. And, and you gotta, I'm going to do a very quick kind of explanation of, uh, of how all of this comes about in terms of the, uh, disciplinary and this and that. Okay. So there is, and I actually dig it. You know how, like you could study, you know, world war one, world war two, you know, things like that. Uh, which I love. And one of the things I also love is I love uh, studying long kind of like legal, I call it legal warfare. Okay. Uh, There were a few nights ago, I'm talking to the wife. And I was telling her about these like, uh, you know, consumer cases and arbitration and how big companies try to force arbitration. Then the consumers try to get out of arbitration and sometimes they'll file like mass arbitrations and blah, blah, blah. And I was talking to her about this is like serious, like legal warfare. And I was getting all excited uh, and then she fell asleep. (laughs) Damn it. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say that's the first time. All right. So anyway, so, uh, but to me, it's exciting. And then it's, this one is very exciting. I promise you're not going to fall asleep. Okay. So, uh, this goes back the, you know, from the sixties. Okay. What happened? The NFL is very powerful. They're very rich, obviously. And look, the rules are that the employer can do anything the heck they want, basically, you know, um, until there's some sort of like legal thing, you know, like a legal statute, or uh, like, like overtime rules, or, you know, things like that, Uh, overtime, not like, uh, you know, after the game is tied overtime, like overtime, like after 40 hours a week. Okay. Uh, So anyway, the only other thing that they're limited by employers, other than some sort of statute is if there's a contract. Okay. So what happened over the years over the decades, sorry, is that the NFL players unionized, and they had, a, you know, uh, like union representatives that then would negotiate with the NFL to come to some sort of agreement about the rule, you know, labor relations. Okay. And usually, you know, that kind of agreement is called a collective bargaining agreement. Okay. And collective because they were unionized, right? Bargaining, like they freaking fought over this and then agreement. Okay. So the collective bargaining agreement, you'll always hear that term. Okay. Now, in the 60s and 70s, they were kind of fighting over how this would happen, Uh, and there was a very important lawsuit that was filed in 1971, and it took like six years, okay? Uh, The NFL players, through their union, sued the NFL, saying that the NFL was violating the Sherman Antitrust Act of the year 1890. So in 1890, there was a John Sherman, I think, a Senator John Sherman of Ohio, all right, um wrote this law. So they called it the Sherman antitrust law. And it kind of tried to get, uh, you know, fight big companies from kind of ganging up on uh, the little guy, so to speak. Right. And so, um, yeah, so so there's rules against like big companies kind of like uh, making agreements with each other that we call trust agreements uh, to kind of like limit um, uh, competition and things like that. Okay. So in 1970, the lawsuit cites this, this law, this federal law from 1890 saying that the NFL uh, teams are these big corporations and they're all banding together. And it was over uh free agency because the NFL had this rule that like, let's say your contract finishes with a team that, or, you know, you get out of college or whatever you, you they had rule. You're only allowed to negotiate with one team. Okay. And all of the other teams, you know, back in the seventies, it was like 26 teams so you can only negotiate with one team and the other 25 teams, you can't even negotiate with them. So that kind of puts you at a disadvantage, right? You only have one team you could play for, right? So uh, they filed a lawsuit saying that's not fair because the other teams are banding against us. They're, this is a trust agreement and they have it in writing the other teams that they will not – Employ somebody that plays for another team or finished with another team, even if he's a free agent, meaning he doesn't have a contract with that team. We won't, we won't play him. We won't sign him. Okay. Um, And so they filed an antitrust case and took six years, and they won. Okay, the uh, federal court ruled that this did violate the antitrust law. Now there is a very, very big congressional. um, exemption to the antitrust law to baseball. That does not apply to football, okay? Somehow Congress exempted baseball from this antitrust rules, but they did not exempt football. But, uh, anyway, so so the players won that. So that kind of set the scene where then the NFL was kind of like, they realized that they were limited in terms of them being able to enact those rules, all right? And then over the decades, you know, I won't, I'll, I'll brush it over really quickly, like in the 80s and then the 90s, there was times when the the, the union said, you know what, if we don't come to an agreement, we're just not going to play, you know, until you come up with a fair agreement, fair agreement on free agency, fair agreement on discipline, fair agreement on, on wages, fair agreement on negotiation, all of the above, right? So there was like decades of strife uh, between the NFL and the players union, all right? Now- This is freaking for the heck of it. Fast forward. I would love to go over like every case in every year and things like that. I would be like an exciting thing for me to do. And then, but I'm afraid, uh, you know, everyone will get bored. Okay. Um, Now, so fast forward to the year 2022 right now. Okay. So here it is. The current agreement. All right. The NFL collective bargaining agreement. All right. March, 2020. So this is the agreement between the players and the NFL. And the agreement, um, it, it, it uh, goes over kind of like what the wages are, what the overtime rules are, what the uh, injury rules are, medi- medical, um, medical care, all right? And one of the big ones it goes over is how to discipline players, all right? Like when the NFL can kick a player off the team or suspend him and things like that. This was a major point of contention, all right, because the um, you know for obvious reasons, right? Because the players they don't want to play and be like you know one day they you know they the agreements are like okay if they do like a you know personal foul on the field they could get like a ten thousand dollar fine. All of these are are negotiated. If it's like super egregious, it could be a little more. If it's you know uh, like this repeat offender type of thing, it could be a lot more things like that. There are also you know, if, if somebody, you know, whatever, uh, violates the drug policy, you know, deflates footballs. All right. Okay. Things like that. Okay. So they go over all of that. Um, and, and here we go. So, so what they compromise and finally agreed on in the year 2020. All right. In terms of just that. So I kind of just took out a, <laughs> only a few pages from this, from the four, it was like 430 pages. It was a good read though. Okay, um, I always <laughs> my wife and my kids love reading Harry Potter. I could never go. I can't read a full book of Harry Potter, even though I love it. Uh, it's like hard for me to full read a full book. Uh, but reading a collective bargaining agreement, my pleasure. <laughs> All right, it's it is a good read. If you you know, anyway. Okay. So uh, the bottom line is this: for uh you know big fines and and suspensions. Okay, the league has to um you know if they don't come to an agreement with the player so to speak you know uh then the league if they want their suspension and the player doesn't agree so let's say the it, it, with Deshaun Watson what the league wanted was one full year okay i know that the commissioner just came out a couple of days ago and said that but this has been they put it in writing years ago or yeah okay over a year ago so they wanted to suspend him for a whole year he didn't agree so we don't have an agreement right uh, so the, what the collective bargaining agreement says, all right, is the following article 46 section one says that, oh, that just says that we're going to go, oh, if we don't come to an agreement, then there's going to be a disciplinary officer. All right. That, uh, and then the disciplinary officer is somebody that like, that is agreed upon by the league and by the players. Okay. So what they do is they, they have to agree on a uh, disciplinary officer. And, and according to this provision, it's that disciplinary officer kind of like um, sits there for two years as the arbitrator here for disciplinary hearings. you know. And if, if they come to an agreement on a different person, then they could do that if they want. right? And then they say that this disciplinary officer, and in, in our case with Deshaun Watson, it was, it was the former judge, uh, Sue Robinson, right? That then this arbitrator will kind of like sit and they'll have a hearing and they'll listen to, to testimony and, and do all that good stuff, right? And then the hearing officer will come up with a decision, okay, which she did, right? She came up with a decision um, and then that decision is final, right? Um, then, this is what I love about lawyers. They say final and then I'm like, wait a minute, it says final. Then it said unless, all <laughs> right? So her decision is final unless either the league or the players appeal that decision. Now, when they appeal a decision by the hearing officer that they agreed upon, get this, you guys sitting down, the collective bargaining agreement says who's going to decide the appeal? It's going to be the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. Like, I don't get it, right? So if the NFL doesn't like... The suspension by the arbitrator, the neutral party, then the NFL decides the appeal. Like, how does that freaking work? You know, uh, it says it in here, but I guess the players agreed to that. I, I don't know why, but that's what the agreement says. Uh, Roger Goodell could decide it. And the only way it would be somebody other than Roger Goodell is if he picks somebody else, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, which he did in this case. He picked uh, this, this lawyer. What is his name? Peter is that guy's name, I have it here somewhere. Peter Harvey. So Peter Harvey is, he worked for the NFL in the past. He's a lawyer. Uh, for only three years, he was the uh, attorney general for the state of New Jersey. But come on, it's freaking New Jersey, right? Shabby <laughs> geez, right? Anyway, okay, so, uh, but he's the NFL's guy, right? Like, he's their buddy. He gets paid by the NFL. He is the NFL, OK, so that he's going to decide this so-called appeal. And the word on the street is that he's probably going to come down a lot harsher than Sue Robinson did. All right. Uh, that's just how it goes. That's how the, the collective bargaining agreement say. So I think that he is going to come down with a much harsher sentence, not sentence. I don't want to say sentence, a decision than she did. OK, now, um, anyway, and I don't, I don't know the players union says we're going to sue that then. I don't see how. I mean, this is what they agreed upon. Um, But I'm glad I did say the word sentence because it kind of leads me to, look, Deshaun Watson did not get charged with a crime, okay? So there's a few levels here. There's uh, not charged with a crime. Then there's a higher level, which is charged with a crime and then, you know, found not guilty. Then there's the worst level, which is charged with a crime and found guilty, He was at the very bottom, not even charged with a crime. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't get how the state of Texas does this. Okay, they have all this evidence, and they don't charge him. Like, how? I don't understand. My joke is, uh, go try uh, stealing a T-shirt from Walmart, all right? For some crazy reason. If someone steals a T-shirt from Walmart in California or Texas, they'll end up in jail. I mean, Texas has... They've been notorious for, like, people writing a bad check for, like, 30 bucks going to jail, (laughs) all right? Um, There was one case where somebody, you know, they were, you know, they wrote bad checks a lot. And I think she got, like, 30 years in prison sentence, you know, or more. Uh, So it's just notorious. But how the heck did the state of Texas not charge this guy? Either um, they didn't have sufficient evidence to think that this was non-consensual, okay, um or actually that has to be it like there's no other reason they how got it they just didn't charge him okay and that's that is a uh, a big deal here okay now i want to kind of go over like what happens now <laughs> okay this is where deshaun watson then he signs a deal with the cleveland browns so he didn't go to jail he had to go to cleveland okay which in some respects is a lot worse than jail (laughs) okay i mean if it was any worse they would have sent him to detroit okay (laughs) no okay so he's in cleveland now get this he signs a 230 million dollar contract okay that is a sweet contract and by the way last year this is weird He got paid several millions of dollars last year, and he didn't even play. He wasn't even suspended. He just didn't get along with the Houston uh, owners, (laughs) okay? Uh, And they didn't play him for the whole year, and he was paid millions of dollars. Now he signed a check for $230 million, and here's my favorite part, okay? Here's a little contract law for y'all, all right? He is such a good player, and the Cleveland Browns are so desperate, okay, that they sign him for $230 million. Of that, a large chunk is a signing bonus. Like, I think it was 40000000 million. million. Don't, don't quote me. It was around that much, right? So it was like $40 million is a signing contract, and it's guaranteed, and they, he can't get that taken away from him for, for any sort of suspension here. Like, burp, burp. then here's what they did. Again, the Cleveland Browns are so desperate, and this guy is such an awesome quarterback that uh, they structured the contract where of the 230 million dollars he signed for, God, I want to say five years, give or take a year. I think it was five years. Of that, the first year he's only going to get one million dollars of the 230 million dollars. Only one million dollars is his salary for the first year. Now, why is that such a big deal? Uh, it's a big deal because one million is for the first year, and the other 229 million are the signing bonus and the, and the uh, subsequent years. Okay. The reason why that's sneaky, good job, Cleveland Browns, at least their lawyers are doing a good job in Cleveland. Okay. The reason why that's sneaky is even if he gets suspended the whole year, of that $230 million, he only loses $1 million, <laughs> right? Which is not a big deal. You know, when someone wins the lottery, they lose a lot more money, you know, if they want the money up front or something. Okay, so that, who cares? So they structured the deal so that it doesn't even matter what is his suspension, if it's a whole year. If it sticks with the six games, like, you see, he loses, like, three hundred grand only. So, uh, dang, uh, lawyers for Cleveland, good job. <laughs> uh, the NFL has ticked that Cleveland... Cleveland outsmarted everyone else in terms of how they swung this. Uh, again, like I said, at least the lawyers in the Cleveland Browns are good. All right. Look, I am super excited to hear what you have to say and what you think about all of this. Uh, you agree, you disagree, you think, you know, this is this is uh, the NFL is is corrupt or something. Whatever you think. I love to hear the comments. All right. So good stuff, folks. And I'm excited to see you next week.